Well, good morning and happy new year. A couple of things I want to share with you before we get started. Uh, we do have some information papers back there for those who are interested in going to Haiti. It has the details, the flight information, so if you're interested in that. And I see one more bag back there, so there might be one more bag. We have these little kind of care packages if you want to take the bag and give it to those who are uh, basically on the streets, living on the streets, you can. I know a lot of you have used those, and as you've pulled up and seen people, you've given them to those people who are living on the streets, and it's been a an opportunity to kind of connect with them. And so there is one more bag available if you would uh, like to take that and give it to someone. Also, we now have our new website up, okay? Yay, our new website. Yeah. You guys clap for everything. Why don't you clap for that? It's, yeah. No, now it's forced. It doesn't feel the same. The reason I mention that is because this is giving us a lot more opportunity to keep things more current than our old site. It also has on it an opportunity for you to find it on your phone. This is actually the app on your phone. If you go to Genesis IE, IE stands for Inland Empire, .com, you can find the website and it will go to an app that's suitable for your cell phone. I know it's set for iPhones and Android, and I think it'll work on other phones. I'm sure it will, but I know it's set specifically to cater to those phones. And so you can access the website on your phone as well as at home on the computer. Also on there, there is a new thing here. Thanks, Rick. You did that on purpose. I Right here, it's an app where you can actually give online. Remember a few weeks ago, I asked how many of you have never written a check, and about 20 of you raised your hands, and the rest of us were like, really? And so now, if you would like to give, you can do it online, even from your telephone. How is that for convenience? So we don't pass an offering bucket, but you all have telephones, so we figure that's easier even still. Um, you know, we don't push for giving. I just want to make this opportunity available to you. And as I share this, I want you guys to know some of the things that are taking place, at least in my mind. I know we're going to have a meeting with the leadership next week. We are needing more room for our children. We could use another classroom to get another classroom. It takes more money because we have to either rent the space or else we might put a dividing uh, curtain in the cafeteria, see if that works. But with that said, because you guys are so fertile and having so many children, <laughs> what we are also looking or thinking about is the possibility of leasing another building that we could have our own space. I'm not opposed to that. What I don't want to do is get locked into a building financially where that becomes where all of our investment goes. If we are not able to reach out into Haiti, into Mexico, into our community because we have to pay for a building, I'd rather not have a building. I'd rather be doing the work that I think Christ wants us to do than just maintaining something for ourselves. However, if we are able to do both, wonderful so that we can have the facility to care for us and to do more things, as well as continue doing the ministries that we feel motivated and led to do. And so with that being said, I just wanted to make you guys aware, for those of you who don't write checks, 
but still would like to give, but maybe you forget to go to the bank to get cash or whatever, however you do those things, our website, genesisie.com, does have the ability for you to give online now, and you can keep up to date. It just went live like this week, so that sounds so funny, went live. I know the emails aren't working yet, so don't try and email me because I won't get it. Uh, just talk to me instead. Uh, but otherwise, it will be, you know, keeping current. In fact, there's some of your pictures are on there. You guys didn't know, and I didn't get your permission. I didn't think we needed to. That's just a little enticement. Now all of you are going to go on. Is it me? Is it me? And don't be hurt if it's not, okay? So that being said, if you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to Psalm 1. If you need a copy, raise your hand. And they will get you one. We are beginning a new series. It's going to be our journey through the book of Psalms. As I said last week, we're not going to go through every Psalm, but we are going to pick out a number of them so that we can get an idea of this book overall. And, and as we start, I want to ask, first of all, why Psalms? I mean, what is it? Why Psalms? Why would God put such a large book in the scripture that's filled with music, with songs and poetry? We talked about this a little bit when we went through Lamentations and talked about it being poems and how it's supposed to evoke emotion. And songs do that. Music does that. It inspires us. It it makes us remember it moves us emotionally. Plato wrote of music. He said, music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and charm and gaiety to life and to everything. There are some times when you are going through a time of sadness or depression where a song can just hold you and keep you from falling into a pit of despair. It's been said that what the heart is in man, the Psalms are in Scripture. It is the heart of God being displayed. In fact, of the 260 plus references in the New Testament to the Old Testament, over a third of them are from the book of Psalms. And in this book, we get a variety of emotion. It talks about fear. It talks about sorrow. It talks about anger. It talks about repentance. It talks about faithfulness. It talks about forgiveness. It talks about gratitude. It talks about peace. It's encompassing the emotions that we experience. And even as we are going through the Advent series and we looked at the person of Jesus and why God became man, we saw that it was so that we could understand more fully the heart of God. And it is in these Psalms that we really get to see so much emotion, not only in David and those writing the Psalms, but in their relationship to God. And it's so interesting to find some of the most beautiful 
descriptions of a relationship with God in the Old Testament where it was thought of, well, the God of the Old Testament was distant and that's a God of wrath and the God of the New Testament is that of grace. But it's in the Old Testament that we find that your mercies are new every morning. It's in the Psalms that we see the psalmist declare that your love is better than life. What kind of relationship is that? That's close. That's important. That's intimate. And that's what we have through the book of Psalms. Now, the book of Psalms is broken up into five books. And and the only reason I'm mentioning this is because I think it's important for us as we go through this to understand how some of these passages take place. The first book is really one of personal declaration. The first Psalms that we're going to look at are going to be just that personal relationship, the psalmist singing to God. The second two books have to do with the national aspect, that of Israel. And so there's going to be a lot of focus on the nation. You have done this for your people. And then on the fourth and fifth, they're more liturgical. They're designed for public worship. And so you're going to see moving from places of intimacy to places of public recognition to places of this is something that we sing and declare these truths of God together. And let's read through this first psalm. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. It's fitting that this book opens up with the word blessed. It's kind of the springboard that's going to take place throughout the whole book. And this word blessed is one of those words that really there's no other word that really encompasses what it means but blessed. It sort of means happy, but it doesn't just mean happy. In fact, one of the ideas of the word blessed, it's a plural noun, it has to do with content. One commentator put into it, it's like all things well. Blessed means everything is okay. Not just okay, everything is good. There is contentment. There is satisfaction. There is not the need for more. You are not lacking. And when we think of this idea of all things are well or not lacking, usually with us it has to do with surplus. I'm content after I eat and there's no more room. I'm content when the bank account is filled and the bills are paid. I'm content when the gas tank is full. 
our idea is this kind of surplus, but this is really more something that is taking place inward. It has to do with this serenity. It has to do with this peace. It has to do with I am okay right here with what I have. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that godliness with contentment is great gain. So it's not just you got to be godly. There has to be this contentment. There has to be this understanding of all things are well, and you have to be satisfied in that. And it's a recognition of this position. Blessed is this person. And, and I love this translation because it says, who does not walk in step with the wicked. Some older translations say, do not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. And that can be a little misleading. In fact, I read in one of the, the daily bread things that we had in the back, they had this little devotion on this psalm and it talked about blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly and it went on to say that you know it's important that you don't listen to anyone who is not a believer in their counsel and i remember thinking that's not right that's not true if you're a child and your parent isn't a non isn't a believer in christ you still better listen to their counsel in acts it talks about in chapter 5 about Gamaliel, one of the priests who gave advice and it was good counsel even though he wasn't a follower of Christ. So it's not like everyone who's not a believer, you can't listen to their counsel. I, I know pastors who have gone to doctors and even psychiatrists to listen to counsel to deal with issues in their lives. And so he's not saying don't listen to anyone who isn't a follower of Christ or a person who believes in God. It's more has to do with action, who's walking in step with the wicked. In other words, who is in movement and in direction with those who are wicked in their thinking. And wicked encompasses a whole lot. I think it's pretty self-descriptive. Things that are evil, things that are hurtful, things that are mean, things that are malicious. Those are the things that are wicked. And then this progression moves from this walking in step to this standing in the way of sinners that they take. And so it's talking about a direction of life and then sitting with the mockers. Now, I know people who believe in Jesus who are mockers. Sad, but it's true. Should it be? No, it shouldn't be, but it happens. See, being a follower of Christ doesn't mean, okay, everything I do is fine. This is talking about a direction you are taking. And the psalmist here is saying the person who's content, the person who things are well with is a person who isn't walking in step with the wicked, who isn't standing in that place with the sinners or sitting with those that are mockers. And it's talking about a position. And really all these things, one of the things it has in common is there's a selfishness, a self-centeredness that is taking place in all these things and being wicked in the sinning and the mocking. It's all about the gratification of what you want regardless regardless of what it affects or how it affects other people. And so this idea of the person who is walking in this way, this is what happens. And it's great that the psalmist, he wants to give us an idea of who is blessed, but instead of telling us what to do, he gives us a clear understanding. You're going to be blessed if you stay away from this. 
It's kind of giving us the opportunity to see what blessed is by describing what it isn't. And you will never be blessed. You will never have that sense of all things well. You will never have that satisfaction if you are in step with what is wicked and with the sinners and sitting and making yourself comfortable with those who are mocking. You will never be blessed. And that's something that we need to understand and understand it's an action. It's something that you are doing. And it's there to challenge us and the things that we do. And it's clear to see it with this contrast. It's something that we have to recognize the potential is there in all of us. And if we want to live lives that are blessed, we can't walk in these ways. We can't stand in this place. We can't sit and make our comfort in these things. And if these things are taking place in our lives, you're not going to be blessed. Things aren't going to go well. If you're a person who's gossiping, who's talking bad at people, who's putting people down, you're not going to be a person who's blessed. If you're a person who's engaging in things that are wrong and sinful, you're not going to be blessed. If you're walking in step with the wicked, if it's all about self-gratification, you're not going to be blessed. Jesus again said, whoever wants to find his life must lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake, then you'll find it. And that again has to do with this idea of being blessed, of this understanding. And then there's this contrast. It says, the person who does these things aren't blessed, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, I don't know about you, but delight and law aren't two words that I usually put together. It's a delight to have to drive 55 miles an hour. No, it's not. It's a delight to drive 85. I don't know if any of you guys watch that show, Top Gear. I'm like hooked on that show. Any of you? Okay. All right. I want to know some some people. I get in my car and I, I pretend it's a Lamborghini. You know, I just hear, and I just, oh, that'd be so nice to have that. Then there's the speed limit, 25, children are present. Ah, stupid children, get in the way. I could do 100 right here if they weren't running around. Delight and law aren't things that I normally put together. In fact, I put them apart. It's delight not to have laws. It's this delight to not have these rules, these regulations, constraining me, putting this pressure on me, trying to keep me from being free. That's kind of where my mind goes when I think of the idea of law. Now, the word law here is actually the word Torah. And so it might not be the way we think of law. It really has to do with the teachings of Moses throughout the writings of his there in the first books. That's what is meant by law. And and really what it is is this instruction that God is giving us. He's saying, blessed is the person who delights in the instruction that God gives. And you know, even though we say we don't like laws and we we want our freedom, we do like certain laws. We do like certain structure. We like it that if you 
try and hurt me, you will go to jail. At least I like that. Or if you steal my stuff, you can get punished for it. Or if you hurt my family or people I love, there's going to be justice served, that you don't have the right to just do those things. And so even though we say we like freedom, we also enjoy the safety that laws provide. I remember years ago over at Baldy View Elementary School, this was a long time ago when my daughter was going to school there. They didn't have a fence. The, the school yard was connected to the park right next door where there's now a dog park. That's the direction our city is going, towards the docks. And so there was this open field, and actually the kids could walk out to the street if they wanted to because it was open. There was no fence there. And I remember when I'd go by there and the kids would be playing, they would be all huddled in the center of the schoolyard. They wouldn't be off into the park except for a couple of boys and there would be a teacher saying, hey guys, get back here. But most of the kids would stay central, located in the middle of the schoolyard. But when the fence went up, all of a sudden the kids spread out. They were hanging on the fence and they were all the way at the edge. It was like they had more room when they actually put a fence up because now there was a boundary and there was safety. They knew they could go to the edge of the fence and they were safe. They knew that this was the bounds where we could go and we don't have to worry about going farther farther, because we're safe inside this boundary. And so really what instruction does is it gives us a fence that we could live in and know that we're safe to know that this is the right way to live, to know that we are not causing harm to ourselves or to other people. And you see, the person who is blessed, the person who has all things well, is a person who recognizes God's instruction and sees them as boundaries that give them freedom, not that constrain them or remove freedom from them. Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. So many people want their freedom, but what they do is end up finding themselves doing things that actually bring bondage. And almost every vice starts out that way. Drugs. You know, and you start getting high, this is fun, this is fun, but pretty soon to have fun, I need to get high. Drinking, yeah, this is great, this is great, but pretty soon you find that drinking has consequences. You get a DUI, get busted, something happens, get an accident, cause problems. And pretty soon you find that now this is expensive and it's costly, this thing that I was using for freedom. Relationships, you get in a relationship, I like this open relationship. Pretty soon you find yourself wounded and your heart broken and you find out that what I was thinking was freedom has actually brought me into bondage. And you see, the person who's blessed is the person who sees the instruction of God and says, thank you. I have now boundaries that are healthy for my life and I have the freedom to live without the worry of the consequences of those actions that cause destruction. 
And so the contrast, the wicked, doing whatever they want, standing in the way of sinners, mocking. But the person who's blessed, their delight is in the law of the Lord, those instructions that God gives. And it says, in those things he meditates day and night. That word meditation, it means murmuring. Augustine translated chattering. It has to do with this kind of mumbling. And the idea is it's something that you're kind of singing in your head. You guys ever do that? You're in the car and you've got something in your head you're singing. And it's just in your mind. Whatever it is. It could be, I don't want to grow up. I'm a toy as a rescue. I mean, it could be anything. <laughs> or it can be a song that we've sang. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus. And what happens in this idea of meditation is it's giving us focus. And that's one of the things that songs do. That's one of the things that worship is meant to do, worship in praise. It is meant to engage us in thought and in action. You see, when we sing praises, we involve all of us. We involve our mind as we're thinking about those words. If you're playing an instrument, you're thinking about the words and you're thinking about the instrument that you're playing or perhaps you're here and you're raising your hands. So now not only is your mind involved, but your body is involved and then it involves your singing as well. And so now all of you is in focus on something. And that's why we can get so moved when we are worshiping, it's like, man, I was just singing. I just felt elated. I felt like I was just lifted out of this burden. Why? Because you were meditating. You were focused. Your thoughts, your body, everything was directed in one way. And it lifted you up out of those things. And so blessed is that person who delights in the instruction with God and who keeps those things murmuring over and over again in your head. There are times when that's all I can do is murmur to myself the truths of God in my life, recount to myself that God's mercies are new every morning, that he who has begun this work is going to complete it, that God is loving, that he is slow to anger, that he is rich in mercy, that his eyes are on those who are broken and in distress. And I murmur those things over and over again. I'm meditating on those things. I'm holding those things to my heart. And I'm finding now that my heart is satisfied. I'm remembering the truth of God's words and they hold me. And so to live this life that is blessed... We need to not do these things, walk in step with the wicked, standing with sinners or sitting with mockers. And we do need to do these things. We need to delight. In other words, we need to treasure the truths that God has given us, recognize they're there for our benefit. And we need to murmur them, meditate on them, always. Always. I don't know about you, but it doesn't take long for me to panic. One phone call, and boom, my mind goes spinning. 
one situation or event that happens. And I go into flight mode. I start thinking, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? You know, our, our brain is a very unique thing, the way God has wired us. When situations happen that are life-threatening, if you're running from your life from a dog that's trying to bite you, your brain goes into survival mode. It goes into flight. And you'll run for your life. And you won't notice, oh, look at the butterfly. You'll just, no, I'm gone. Dog's coming. I, 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 you don't care if I'm stepping on glass. I'll just move. Your brain is meant to do that, to get rid of those things that can hinder you from survival. But what happens to us is situations come and we go into survival mode. And a lot of times what that does then is it stops us from rationally thinking. We don't use all of our brain. We come to a problem and instead of thinking, well, let me stop and look at the situation and see what is the best course of action, we just start acting. Okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And we're just panicking. We're just running. And we're surviving. And we miss opportunities because we're out of control and we're out of focus. And what we need to do is recognize that if we are going to live like that, we aren't going to really live. We're going to survive, but we're not going to enjoy life. He goes on and he says, that person, the person who meditates on God's law day and night, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. This has to do with growth. It has to do with being stable. It has to do with being satisfied. Let me ask you and myself a question. Are you satisfied? Are you content? Or are you striving for what? To get more? What is your life living for? I was talking to someone right now or recently who is going through something right now. And he's going through some situations that are crippling, very difficult. He's without work. Relationships are bad in his life that had been strong before. And I asked him, what is the future you want for yourself? What, what do you want to see your life achieve? What, what are your goals? Because that'll tell you where you're putting your energy. And if your goals are, are to make money, well, then your energy is going to be to make money and it might cost you those relationships in your life. If your goal is to have the richness of those relationships, even as we talked about last week, investing more in people, then you need to do the things that will enrich those areas of your life. And you see, the person who's blessed, they're like a tree planted by the river. They're getting strength. They're getting nourishment. They're getting refreshed. 
their life has direction that is healthy. And a lot of times we could tell if we are in the right place by just asking ourselves, what are the things I want? What am I living for? Because I am going to expend my energy for the things that I desire. And they're not all bad things. In fact, they might be good things. But understand, you will put your energy towards the things that you want. So are they in a place where you're planted by that river, where you're being refreshed, where your leaves don't wither because you're getting the strength that you need. You're getting the nourishment that you need. And and whatever you do, it prospers. Now, our idea again of prosper means you get more. If I prosper, I get more money. But the idea of prospering has to do is that it lasts. You bear fruit in its season, when it's time. And whatever you do, it prospers. In other words, it endures. Are you living for things that endure or is it just for the moment? Are you flighting in panic mode and every day is just survival? You're running through life, through your job, then back home, and then to get the kids, and then whatever it is, you're just in flight, all these things, and you're not planted. You don't have focus and direction. You're not getting the strength you need. Your leaves are withering, and what you do doesn't last. These are challenges for us. That's not so with the wicked, he says in verse 4. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteousness. In other words, the wicked aren't going to be in a place where they make the decisions. They aren't going to be a place where the counseling is made. They're not going to be in a place of judgment. They are going to be blown away. I can't tell you how many times I have seen the truth of this scripture come to bear where those who were living for themselves had the bottom fall out and their lives are devastated I can't tell you the people who I know who have a lot of money and are miserable and are alone and their lives are not going to prosper Now, there was nothing enduring with them. That's how it is. There is no contentment. They are ever searching, but never finding. Now, the scriptures tell us that the heart of man is deceitful and wicked. It says that the eyes of man are never satisfied and destruction is never full. Some people always want more. They don't know the boundaries. They're trying to find peace. They're trying to find happiness. And they're living lives that are like the wicked. It's just chaff. It's blowing away. And they're going to come to an end where they look back and they say, I have nothing. My relationships have all crumbled. My relationship with my children means nothing. I've... Everything that was important, I didn't invest in. And now I have nothing. And I have no voice 
because I can't stand in a place of judgment or with the righteous because of how I live. Verse 6, he says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. We have to recognize that we will reap what we sow. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 29, that a man who builds his house on his words is like a man who builds his house on a rock. A person who doesn't live his life in those boundaries that God has given is like a person who builds his life on the sand. And when the storms of life come, great is the ruin. A lot of times we, we want to try and force this kind of understanding. We're going to get people to understand and what we don't recognize is that God doesn't force us like our parents do. Right? Your parents, you got to be home at this time. You can't do this. God doesn't do that to us. And so now we have this freedom. But you see, how we live in this freedom is how our lives play out. We either build on the sand or we build on the rock. We either understand those fences and those boundaries and live within them or we try and explore outside and we find ourselves then in trouble. And it's real easy sometimes it happens a lot in churches where the pastor will just start beating you guys. Some of you are out there and you're drinking late at night. You're going to go to hell. And some of you are doing this. And if you don't stop it, this is going to happen. And they start and you leave them and go, oh man, that, he really tells it like it is. But you see, all that is doing is showing a lack of maturity. Because when you grow up, you don't need your dad to spank you. You know what to do and what not to do. Maturity is to live the life so that you don't get the spanking. So you don't get the consequences. That's maturity. See, when I was younger and I just had that job and it was partying and all those things, yeah, I'd go out and have a great time Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday morning comes and I don't get up for work because I didn't get home till 4 o'clock in the morning and then I lose my job. Guess what? If I want a job... I got to come home and go to sleep and get to work. That's maturity. That's growing up. God gives you the freedom to live your life. He expects you to grow up. The consequences of your life will remind you over and over again. See those boundaries? What I said was true. What I said was true. Do you want to follow them? No, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go do my... Okay, what I said was true. At some point, you have to grow up. It's not my job to spank you every week. It doesn't help. It might remind you for a moment, but in my experience, if you want to go outside the fence, you're going to go outside the fence. But if you want to grow up, you'll delight in God's instruction. If you want to grow up, you'll meditate, murmur his truths in your heart and in your life. If you want to grow up, you will plant your life by a river so that your leaves don't wither and what you do 
prospers. And then what you'll do is you'll find yourself living in this place of blessing. You see, it's not like God's going to punish you. Get out of here, you bad, wicked person. What happens is God's blessing is here. It's inside this schoolyard and God's life and blessing is here. And if you insist on going out over here, guess what? You can, but you are removing yourself from God's blessing. God isn't punishing you. You're reaping the consequences of your life. And the psalmist is declaring to us that the person who is blessed, the person who is living this rich life, he's living a life that is in the instruction of God. It's not in the restriction of God. It's in the instruction of God. There's a difference. It's in the things that are good for you. I had my car tuned up a while back and they put the wrong spark plugs in. And I paid for that. And I started driving my car and it started giving me whiplash. Like, what the heck? What was that? I was supposed to get my car fixed. Well, the guy who was fixing it didn't know what to do. And he put the wrong plugs in there and so they weren't firing properly. So I went to a mechanic who knew the right thing and he put the right plugs in there and now truck runs as good as it can. It's not a Lamborghini, but it, it runs okay. Why? Because he knew what he was doing. The one who created you knows what your life needs and he's given you a boundary, an instruction for your benefit. And if you will walk in his ways in those things, you will find your life is blessed, that the Lord watches over your ways. But if you go outside of his ways, it's not so. The Lord's ways are inside his instruction. And if you walk outside that fence and you want to live and walk in step with the wicked, stand with the sinner, sit with the mockers, then God's hand of protection and blessing is not going to be there. And at some point, you will realize that. At some point, you will come to a place and you will say, God, what have I done? At some point, you will recognize that you have removed yourself from the author of life. And that is why you are not blessed. That is why you are not well. That is why you are not whole. The righteous, they endeavor righteous living in themselves and have Christ's righteousness imputed to them. We want that righteous living in ourselves. This is something we live for. And then Christ has given us now his righteousness. But you see, walking in this way is what gives us lives that are blessed. You want to be content? You want to have a life where everything is well? This is the springboard that we need to move from. Let's pray. Father, as I read these words, I am reminded of the times in my life where destruction has come where I've been like the chaff and the things that I've done had no value and no lasting worth. And those times where I've had to turn back and and bow my knee and say, God, forgive me, I was foolish. 
And Lord, you are faithful. You are true and you are forgiving. I think about the people I know and who are going through similar things in their lives, who are struggling, who are broken. The young man who I talked to who just was weeping because his life is in shambles. And he finally said, I surrender. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Lord, may we be done in walking in step with wicked and trying to satisfy ourselves in sin and and being people who are mocking and and proudful and self-righteous. May we be done. Lord, may we delight in the life that you give and, and may it be constantly going over and over again in our heart and our mind. Lord, may it be sweet to us. May we plant our lives there. Lord, may our future be connected to you, to your goodness, to your mercy, so that the things that we do will prosper. Lord, you are with the righteous, those who have surrendered themselves to you, who recognize your ways. Lord, you bring peace. Peace is there because you are our peace. And Lord, I pray that you would be our peace here today. May we take these words, these songs that are filled with emotion, that are meant to stir us. Lord, may they stir us to live these lives that are blessed. We thank you for again reminding us who you are and what you have for us if we will just seek you, trust you, and allow your life to grow in us. We do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.